Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? Who will be the baby of the year? Oh, welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. I'm pumped. I've got an Ethernet to USB adapter now, so my internet won't be continuously cutting in and out because of that beautiful Simpson College Wi-Fi. So it's going to be a good episode. There's going to be no technical difficulties and everything's going to go right. I'm Jake Brend, as always. We're on episode 39, and we've got a good one in store today. We're going to review Promising Young Woman, update your bachelor that is going on after, I believe it was week four, and then we're going to do what we watched over Christmas break. As always with me today, I've got Ben Neeson up in the falls. How are you, Ben? Uh, keeping it breezy up here. You know, we uh, uh, it's windy up here. Yeah. Yeah, admit, it's windy here, too. Pretty windy. Alex, how are, you out, how are you out in the in Paradise? Good. We got snow yesterday, so I hate it. But just made some nice pasta tonight, so living La Vida Loca, man. Just, just give me one answer. Is it good or bad? <laughs> It's terrible. My life is in shambles. <laughs> That's but, what, but that pasta, though, it's that story quality pasta right there. It was pretty good pasta, man. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> did you uh, did you uh, use Pepsi uh, for the sauce? Uh, no. Did your I'm roommate help you with that? I'm normal. <laughs> All right. We're, we're, enough, enough about sauce. I thought he put a little too much onions, but it was, it was still a very good sauce. We're going to talk about... Okay, fellas, I get it, I get it, I get it. Get the papers, get the papers. You get the papers, get the papers. Uh, we're going to talk about Promising Young Woman, but before that, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive Fantasy has all your DFS and esports gambling wants. Be sure to use promo code AROUND at sign up and receive a deposit bonus of up to $50. For first-time users, be sure to use promo code AROUND. Again, that is promo code AROUND at sign up and Thrive will match any deposit up to $50. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Thrive Fantasy, for supporting the Turbo Team podcast. And what you do if you use uh, Thrive Fantasy and you actually end up winning some money, put it all on Dogecoin because uh, the Turbo Team podcast is going to the moon. And then you... <laughs> Use your winnings on Dogecoin to fund the Turbo Team podcast so we can get t-shirts. Uh, yeah, uh, we said that we're doing Promising Young Women, but I mean, it's just too relevant right now. This week, we're doing uh, The Wolf of Wall Street for this week's episode. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to talk about how um, Jordan Belfer is the greatest person who had ever lived. And he is my personal yeah, uh, hero that. and savior. I'm going to spend the that. whole episode trying to sell Alex and Ben a pen. Send me this pen. Uh, we are all now becoming business majors after this. All right, so we've talked enough Wolf of Wall Street. I don't want to anymore. But we, what we are going to do is we're going to review Promising Young Woman, a film that came out in 2020. It was in theaters for a little bit. I ended up seeing it down at a Southridge AMC theaters, kind of a current event. It's directed by Emerald Fennell, starring Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, and Allison Brie. It's a very touchy movie, exactly. but... Uh, does it in a very entertaining way. I won't explain it too much and we'll let Ben get into his synopsis. Where's it where's it coming from today, Ben? Uh, it's coming uh, from IMDB. Before Ben starts, uh, it's executive produced by Margot Robbie, which I thought was interesting. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Thank you, Alex. It, it's inter- well, it ties into my later point, so I kind of had to throw it in. But uh, Okay. Ben, 
Uh, keep keep the keep the listeners on edge for that later. Point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, take us through your synopsis, Ben. All right, yep. Um, okay, this is a short one. Uh, a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. That's it, because wow. this you you don't want you don't want to know a whole lot about this movie going in. You want to be you want to go in as blind as you can. Yeah, that that's fair. I. I guess Nate, friend of the program, Nate Magic, kind of gave me a rundown before I saw it. So I kind of had like an idea of what it was about, but I didn't really know like the depth of it. So I I agree. If you haven't seen this movie, uh, just turn it off at that synopsis. Go watch it and then come back and listen because this is a spoiler podcast, spoiler filled. And and there's no one talking movies if you can't spoil it. I will correct you on that. That is a Nate Magic enemy of the podcast oh, my because bad. he did, in fact, spoil a major point for me. In oh, this that- movie? Uh, yeah, he did for right. sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he gave away a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. He, you were telling me about that. Yeah, right. I will never forgive him. Um, we are now deleting his episode that he is featured on. That was a good episode, though. I don't care. So, so if for some reason you haven't watched the movie and you're still listening, we will give a little bit more of an in-depth uh, synopsis. Um, would you guys say all three of us that we would recommend seeing it? Yeah, I would. Uh, would we recommend seeing it? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think. I think mostly because it's going to be nominated for a lot. So if you're interested, <laughs> in that, so. you got to be able to brag to your friends that you saw it. I no, mean, but. Yeah, I mean, definitely for sure before we get into spoilers. And also another thing, um, just a trigger warning for any listeners. Uh, this uh, film does deal a lot with sexual assault. So if that's something that would put you off or trigger you, that just letting you know ahead of time before we start talking about it. Yeah, Trigger, trigger warning Ben over here, man. Yeah, it uh, is. Conscientious Ben is the new Ben. It's, it's definitely a a gruesome one that is hard to watch at points, which I think will be uh, one of my negatives, but I think we should talk about the positives first. Obviously just the story is Carrie Mulligan. What's her character's name? I'm so bad at character. Uh, uh, Cassie. Yeah. Cassie. Uh, it actually seems like the entire movie that she was sexually assaulted in college, but kind of a little twist. You come to find that, that it was her friend and she's pretty much going around and getting revenge on everyone who is involved with either the sexual assault itself or the people that covered it up by not shaming the victim, but by not listening to them and by saying, yeah, it was whatever. You were probably wearing bad clothes. You were drunk. Just the usual sexual assault stuff. But on top of that, she also goes and plays drunk at the bar and gets guys to bring her home passed out or act like she's passed out. And then when... She's not passed out, and a guy tries to make inappropriate advances on her. She acts or she becomes sober and pretty much terrifies the guy to death. And even though she's a lesson, well, so does she terrify him to death? The yeah, I mean, this this ties into my negative. So I want to start out. I started interrupting. (laughs) I know you guys like the film, I didn't really enjoy it, uh, but I'll get into that more in the negatives. but uh the book she has she keeps under her bed she marks her names in different colors one's blue one's black one's red and we never find out what those colors mean so she could scare him she could you know rough him up a bit she could even kill him we don't know what the colors mean 
you know. Did you see so, any written in red from the people that we saw? Mm, nope. It was all it was uh, black and blue. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like she'd get into murder. You territory. never know. I thought. I thought that's what this was about. Whenever it went into it, I thought she like kills these guys. You know, but mm-hmm. it, do, it does give you that. It does give you that um, presumption that she may kill them. Mm-hmm. That she has. I mean, especially in the trailers, I thought yeah. they were going to. But then there's another thing that we can talk about later. Just being able to hold empathy for a main character by not having her uh, kill, albeit not necessarily innocent people, but ones people who haven't committed a crime yet. Yeah. Or at all. Um, I don't know. Murder is bad. That's that's what the Turbo Team podcast is saying. But Turbo Team podcast disavows murder. Uh, Jake, I sorry I interrupted you. What were you saying before? Honestly, I don't remember, but I think I was talking about how she uh, would get revenge on the the people yeah. that were trying to make advances on her, and that's pretty much the entire um, plot of the movie. It's a it's a complex. Or I guess it's not a complex plot, but it's a unique plot. But it can be pretty much simplified into her not getting revenge on innocent or not innocent, but men she doesn't know. But then on the other side, she's getting revenge on people that pretty much made her college life traumatic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll st- I'll I'll go for starters. I know that it didn't end happy. This is the this is the complete spoiler part of the podcast. But the relationship between Cassie and Bo Burnham's character Ryan was just like amazing i I loved every second of it that hurt worse than her dying was the relationship falling apart oh yeah that was (laughs) that was one of the most heartbreaking parts of any movie i've ever seen when 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 she's watching the video and you hear ryan's voice he's like oh no no way man no way yeah like my heart sunk i felt just because i like bo burnham i think he his stand-up is really funny he's he's really good in eighth grade but man that like that scene was that scene was tough just because the chemistry between him and Carrie Mulligan was so good. Just like the scene in the convenience or I guess the pharmacy where they were just dancing and singing. Like it just felt like it should have been a, a happy ending movie. And like if it would have just ended there like 10 minutes later as them just like getting married and living together, mm-hmm. I would have been perfectly happy. But obviously with the in-depth and important and dark tones that the movie took, it couldn't end like that. Which... I respect it from a creative standpoint, but just kind of like the the human in me wanted it just to be a happy ending. You're not going to uh, get another La La Land. Uh, Carrie Mulligan was really good in this. I think Bo Burnham was, you know, almost the star of the show in a way. I thought Bo Burnham's performance was incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. He definitely is going to get a Best Supporting Actor nod for this, I, I bet. I bet Carrie Mulligan might get nominated too. I, I think Bo Burnham definitely will. He was He was really good in this. So also, I didn't realize he was six five. I like looked. I know they like made a joke about him being tall. I looked it up. He's like six five. Like, <laughs> so I appreciated yeah, the tall, short dichotomy jokes. So one thing that Nate and I talked about last night uh, when we were just discussing the film was the brilliant casting of it. So it the cast was insane. It was a it, really well cast. <laughs> like it cast these really well known, likable people like Bo Burnham that like. Everyone loves Bo Burnham's stand or not everyone, but most yeah, people yeah. Bo Burnham's stand up. Uh, a lot of people respect Allison Brie just with some of her previous roles. And the baby of the year. Yeah, baby of the year. And it, 
it, it compares and, it. Love it. Yeah. and uh and the guy from new girl schmidt the oh guy from, yeah. the guy from the oc it in a way it's a lot like barry where ask these people don't listen to the Barry episode of the podcast. <laughs> you just always say that whenever we bring up Barry. <laughs> but it's Either a lot. We need to stop bringing up Barry, or we need to redo the episode. I which is it? That's my opinion. Anyway, continue, Jay. It, it's a lot like Barry, where they cast. I mean, it's Bill Hader. Everyone loves Bill Hader. They cast him in this role where he's a horrible human being that, spoiler, kills people. And. Every time that he kills someone, you want to try and be like, oh, I, I, you could probably just... It's Bill Hader. Like, Bill Hader's funny. I, I love Bill Hader. And I think this movie kind of does the same with Bo Burnham, where you're like, when you get introduced to, I guess, a little bit of his backstory, it's pretty obvious that he was probably somewhat involved with the trauma that Cassie had to deal with. But you're still like, it's Bo Burnham. Maybe he's changed. Like, it, it's that. And I think that's what the casting does really well. Is it Cassie's characters that, uh, as as actors and as people in other roles of this movie, like you love, but they're just really horrible scum of the earth people that uh, it, it's not shocking at the end w- w- what happens with just the bachelor party and everything, but it does make you feel a little bad. Okay. Uh, and hindsight's twenty twenty with Bo Burnham's character, I feel. Uh like at the end when it is revealed that like yeah, he didn't know about it and he was there, like looking back on it, the signs kinda were there. Like he still kinda keeps in touch with all these people. He was very popular and friends with them and when they were in med school. So it, hindsight's twenty twenty with it where like like it's second time around, like you're definitely gonna notice the signs more that like, oh, he definitely like was there, or at least knew what happened, you know. Okay, now I can't <laughs> I can't attest to say that I completely saw that coming because once again, I will reiterate Nathan Mogliain's enemy of the podcast had revealed to me that Bo Burnham wasn't a good guy. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind, even though I was trying to suppress it. But like you said, you definitely saw those signs, like the way of how persistent he was and trying to get Cassie to go out with him, Mm -hmm. which was honestly kind of creepy to a point. I don't think it was more creepy. I think it was. I think I'm not it was saying very, it over. I'm not saying it overwhelmingly was. There just was a little bit. Of it was that. Very, he was courting her, like he was, like, but he was like giving her enough space to the point where he's not overbearing. That's what. That's what she liked about him was like, yeah, he was persistent, but he was giving her space to kind of like, hey, if you're not interested, just let me know. Like, if I'm going too far, let me know. But he was he's courting her. Like, I don't think he was creepy at all. I think he just was really into her. Anyway, go ahead. And I, it's, it's, I think what. We, I, I think another part about his character, sorry I cut you off, but was it introduces you to like the first three guys that tried taking her home mm-hmm. and just how inconsiderate they were of her and her her body and just like what she could be used for. So then it's the it's the cut to Burnham in the coffee shop and he like Alex said, gives her the space and gives her the comfort that she needs. So that's another part where not only with the casting, but just the writing and the story and the and the plot of the story that makes him kind of the pro I guess not the protagonist, but one of the people that you cheer for in the movies. So mm-hmm. that makes the ending that much harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, ahead, but yeah, I mean, once again, it was spoiled for me. But I think that the fact <laughs> that I mean he still kept in touch with the friends, he still talked with them like in a very positive light and he was i mean just like some of the like snide comments that he had made i mean obviously like 
he was doing like playful flirty jabs but like obviously like you said in hindsight or in my sense in foresight (laughs) um you're able to sort of see that beneath the surface that's why i think that his performance was really well done because he was able to keep that subtle edge to him that you know that he's really good but there's like something a little hidden something a little bit beneath the surface and then that comes out as soon as she discovers it and confronts him about it and he's just like super like oh i'm sorry i love you please forgive me and then when she says no he's like yeah well you're a failure so uh, obviously, I think with something like sexual assault, believe victims. Um, if you're a standby, if you know something, if you're hiding it, you're just as bad as the, uh, you know, the the assaulter himself. Anyway, with Bo Burnham's character, though, like, like, yeah, he knew about it, and but like, he wasn't like courting uh, Carrie uh, Cassie. Like, he genuinely cared for her, and he did like her. But there was this one detail that, yeah, when he was in med school, you know, seven eight years ago, he was there at the sexual assault and he saw it happen and he let it happen. And so, but like, is there like, I don't, yeah, he did that bad thing, but I don't necessarily think he's a bad guy. If that makes sense. Uh, Like, like I said, believe victims, if you're a standby, you know, you're just as part of the problem as the guy that committed the assault or woman or whatever. I mean, he, he is, he is a bad guy in that sense and that he is hypocritical and thinks he's infallible. But yeah, compared to the rest of the men in this movie, yeah, pretty much I all mean, of them except maybe the dad, they're but all. That's, that's, what, that's what makes it even worse. Is like he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Like he seems like the best guy in this whole movie, which is kind of a theme. Is uh, we kind of see it from Carrie Mulligan's point, where like all men are, you know, all men are trash in a way. The you know you've everyone's heard it. All men are trash. We kind of see Carrie Mulligan's in a way, and I think that's says a lot about just kind of how we are as men in a society like all these guys just suck man they're all terrible they all have awful qualities they all think they're entitled to something and that something is you know women uh and then bo here you know like if you're not gonna speak up about like i don't think he intended to hide this from cassie at all i just think it was something that he's like oh it was almost about burnham who gives her a space he's like hey if you're not interested let me know i'll back off and then but he has this one thing that catches up in this past and it just kind of taints a while ago it's not really significant now but obviously this is something that has haunted cassie for a long time and that's kind of where he fucked up in a way but that's that's something that they definitely are addressing directly in this film is um the excuses and like the whole societal norms of well they shouldn't be dressing like that or uh they were drunk or yeah so on and so forth that you've heard so many different times and um, that's obviously yeah. what this is against. And like even even the play, like the title's so good. And like I don't know if you guys knew, but the title like "Promising Young Women" um, is sort of like an excerpt and a jab at like the whole Brock Turner case, because his whole defense and the reason he was let off was because he was a promising young man. Yeah, I like, didn't know that. I but that's interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, so it, that really just makes you think and really wants you to look at that in a different sense. Uh, what do you guys, do you guys want to break down Cassie kind of as a character? Uh, what, so, in I think it's towards the middle of the movie, she goes and visits Nina's mom, played by, uh, what, what's that actress's name? She was on SNL forever. Uh, who cares? But she goes back and visits Nina's mom, and they talk, they chat, whatever, and Nina's mom goes, you know, let it go. It's been whatever, like, there's no bringing her back. You're not going to do anything, like, let it go. 
what do you think about Cassie in that sense that she's holding on to it for so long? Like, what are your thoughts on, like, do you think that's good? That's a good thing? Do you think that's, number one, is healthy? Like, what are your kind of thoughts on Cassie kind of having this death of her friend who probably killed herself based off just the background knowledge we have after her, you know, rape? What do you think about Cassie not letting this go? Like, do you agree with it? Do you think she needs to move on? Or do you think, like, it's just kind of her almost coping mechanism in a way? What, I guess what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think just from a very personal level uh, with uh, listeners, I, I'm I'm sure most of you know us on a decently personal level. Uh, our friend Peyton Colbertson passed away by suicide pretty much three years ago, like as of this week. So I, I think my perspective on this is actually pretty close to Carrie's, even though it wasn't uh, necessarily the same type of story. But I think when, like, who knows how long this has been since uh, Nina's, since Nina passed, it could have been 10 years. I think they said it was I seven think, in the movie. Yeah, seven. So when it gets to that long and you're still obsessed about it and still grieving about it, that's where it's extremely unhealthy. And mm-hmm. I can say just... Uh, when it comes to to thinking about Peyton and his life, there's definitely waves of where just like a day or a week might just really suck. Definitely. But to uh, to spend your entire life, and that that's not shaming anyone who grieves someone they lost ever. Uh, but from a character perspective in this movie, uh, to be obsessed about it to this point, to getting revenge on people, uh, I think is unhealthy and makes you not a worse person, but it makes yourself worth worse off just in my own experience. But obviously everyone ever deals with grief and every single uh, fact of the matter. Uh, ben, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah. Coming back around to Cassie's character. Uh, once again, I want to uh, say how good Carrie Mulligan's performance was yeah. yep. because it's hard to portray something that is so passionate to a person and honestly their lifeblood at this point and it's something that they're very driven by and that's their main goal pretty much in all of their free time but keeping that beneath the surface and sort of just being able to put on a face and keep that hidden while still being able to portray it in a way that we're able to pick up on it and empathize throughout the movie with her slowly revealing things or just being able to become more familiar with her as a character and how she deals with the pain that she's living through. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Jake, like you said, I mean, obviously like the ideal situation was that, I mean, she would grow past it, but I think with this character, this might've been the best solution that she could have had. That's, that's hard to say with someone who dies because of it at the end. But, but are you talking about closure? Yeah, receiving closure with uh, her whole blackmail and arresting plan that works out to a T. Mm-hmm. And besides that, she would have just been scaring douchebags at bars, which admittedly is productive and is effective. But it really brought closure home, even though with a pillow in her face, it probably didn't seem like it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And just to echo that, I think Carrie Mulligan was incredible in this movie, and yep. she should definitely get a best female lead nom, mm-hmm. if not win it, because she was she was that good. And it's 
that always goes to a movie that carries emotional weight. And this, uh, I mean, as far as movies that I saw in 2020, this probably carries like top three, top five as far as emotional weight goes. Um, I also I didn't realize Carrie Mulligan was 35. Uh, no offense to Carrie Mulligan, she looks a little older than that. I, I that scene where her and Bo Burnham were laying uh, laying next to each other in bed, and I was like, they don't look close in age. I was like, they definitely look. I think Bo Burnham's 30, so there's only a five-year age difference, but I think it's a little bit – he looks young and she looks old. So no offense to either character, but uh, – Preview to our uh, Bachelor recap. Hmm? Preview to our Bachelor recap. Yay. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going to bring that up. Uh, do you guys have any other positives you want to say or do you want to get into negatives? I think oh, personally yeah. – um, Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I do. I love the use of uh, – color in this movie yeah. it was a very 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 bright movie mm-hmm. for something that wasn't necessarily a bright story but it it brought out kind of the I guess the appeal of the party life for uh, someone in college where it like it looks so amazing but in that there is obviously the risk of something like this happening mm-hmm. and I think it, it really portrays that really well, and especially the coloring just at the end of the movie in the cabin. Uh, what the outfit that Cassie was wearing, and now the fact that you said that this was executive produced by Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie like it almost seemed like she was Harley Quinn, like it was, was kind of like the same type of outfit, and that that's really what it reminded me of. And I just thought like the coloring throughout the movie was was really good. The uh, the shot of just her burning at the end was. Yeah kind of breathtaking and dark but also just like so well done from a cinematography angle and with the with the smoke like following up man that was a like that was one of the weirdest looking dark endings to a movie i've ever seen it almost reminds me of last week's episode midsummer where it's just like uh the coloring would give off that it's a bright happy ending when in reality it was not at all yeah i think I agree with you about the coloring. I thought the costuming, uh, the set design, the grading almost was all done very purposefully. But I uh, read somewhere that someone compared all the colors almost to like a candy store in a sense because it's that bright artificial almost and like that candy sense with all the different pinks and baby blues and things like that. But I sort of read that as a display of like immaturity in a way innocence almost uh playing off of the uh promising young people and just the fact that oh uh, we were kids or uh that's in the past just because like we're immature we're adults now it's different times so it can't hurt us either that or i could see it the other way where uh a candy store is easy and very accessible and you can pretty much get whatever you want at a candy store in almost the sense that um, super popular douchebags in college that are uh, going to med school or business school think that they can get whatever they want from a woman. Yep. Uh, I will second you guys on that. Um, coloring was good. There were, it was decent. I love the scenes in the coffee shop. I think there was a lot of nice shots in there. The colors really played. The sun well. was really nice. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was nice that, uh, I thought it played well with the relationship because that's kind of where the relationship between Bo Burnham and uh, – Carrie Mulligan kind of blossomed, and I thought the setting very fit and the coloring very fit. There's a, a lot of shots. There's a few shots where 
characters were just perfectly framed in the center of it, but it was like a very wide background. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I thought those those shots worked very well. Uh, one where they did that really well was this scene where Allison Bree's character drops off the phone. Yes, I had a problem with that. There was a lot of great shots in that scene. There was one where it was from Carrie Mulligan's view, who's sitting on the couch, and we see uh, almost a view of looking up at Allison Bree, which obviously denotes power in a situation most times it's used in film although in this case i felt like it, that wasn't the case i felt like carrie mulligan was almost the one in power as she had all this almost dirt on allison Bree's character so i thought it was a very interesting choice could i uh, interject on just real quickly about yeah, that go ahead uh, i like what you're saying about uh power dynamics and things like that mm-hmm. but when i saw that it really struck me with the sense of space like there's something missing in this conversation someone's missing or something is above them or something is looming over them surrounding them but it's unspoken it's not there but you can feel it in a sense almost as if the topic or as in the sense of the rape which they they never actually say the word rape throughout the entire film i bet that it's just insinuated yeah i bet that or used as like a buzzword just because that's something that they whisper about they they want to avoid talking about it yeah um, but yeah, I th- I thought the whole scene with Allison Bree the second time around, uh, when they meet, uh, it's probably a spoiler. I think that was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. I thought it was really well done, really well shot, really well colored. It just looked good. Uh, there was a lot of good shots in this movie, but I will also say there was a few times where the shots I felt were kind of boring. Like there wasn't like that. There was like a lot of really good shots, but there was also a lot of times where it's like might have been a little could have been a little more creative with this. Um. One more, I think, before we get into the negatives, because I think you guys pretty much have said what most of you want to say, goes back to my previous point. Oh, well, never mind then, I guess. Keep talking. I, I know I didn't – you guys can go. Anyway, it ties back to my previous uh, comment about Margot Robbie uh, executive producing this. I, I want to press a bit, preface. I haven't seen any of these two movies. I've seen shots of them. I've seen clips of them. I kind of know how it looks. The way this was filmed reminded me a lot of – Two Margot Margot Robbie movies that were both executive produced by her, Bombshell and uh, Birds of Prey, and those two movies famously both bombed. And I think I like Margot Robbie. I think she's a really talented actress. But as far as producers go, I think she's still trying to figure out who she kind of is. This movie I've seen a lot more Bob Bombshell than Birds of Prey. Jake, I know you've seen Birds of Prey. This felt like a lot like Bombshell where. It touches the cases of sexual assault, kind of men being, you know, not great human beings. Um, this coloring felt the same. The looks felt the same. The content felt the same. It just had that feel of these movies, and it just didn't, like, it didn't catch me in a way, you know? Like, yeah, there was a few shots that I really enjoyed, but I just, for the most part, the movie just kind of fell short for me. And uh, I think it's a very good subject that they tackled. It's a very good message that they're trying to spread. Um, I thought the writing was fine. I just, there's just something, there's something about this movie that they just didn't catch me. And I, I can't really put my finger on it. I think it's just kind of the way it looks and feels, but, uh, that's more of my initial thoughts that I didn't really get to. So if you guys want to go on about more what you liked, um, go ahead. I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, I think I liked the way that it tackled the deep themes. It made a very dark story entertaining in a way where like you, you didn't want to look away. Mm-hmm. I thought that there was a very clear plot. There was the exposition of kind of like, oh, this is Cassie goes to bars and uh, acts drunk to make guys look like horrible people and idiots. 
And then there's the rising action of her uh, relationship with Ryan and her relationship with her parents and just pretty much the relationship and the kind of her uncovering everything that kind of happened in college. There's the climax of her actually discovering what happened on that night. And then there, I'd, I'd say actually the climax goes from that to the scene in the cabin. It, it's like a very well done 20 minutes from uh, her blackmailing Ryan to then getting murdered in a cabin. And then it just, it has just a very clear ending. Uh, she died and everyone got arrested. And I think that's where I like just like kind of the simplicity of the movie, I would say, but making it an entertaining movie while also hitting on deep themes that if we're being honest enough are not talked about enough during or through anything, not in Hollywood, pretty much not anywhere. The only place I ever hear about it is at school where I have to do like two different sexual assault. Uh, I don't know, allegate at some, some sort of training that I do for tennis twice a year. And that's oh, really right. like even it's called MVP, but it's probably the same thing. And it's it's kind of embarrassing that we do so little talking about it in middle school and high school where it should where it is prevalent and should be talked about and should be brought to the surfaces. And I, I think this movie uh it's not for everyone, but I think it's for more people than most movies that hit on super dark themes is, if if that makes sense. And oh, I go ahead, my bad. Before I before I hand it off, I, I think that we it's a lot like Joker in a sense where it's just that kind of movie where every movie will now be compared to Joker. I, I, well, I think and a grade of how Joker it is out of 10 guy who's watching, who's only seen boss baby watching his second movie. It says a lot of boss baby vibes to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that this movie fits into the, I, I think I saw a joke about it on Twitter where it's just Joker, but feminism and yeah. in, Oh, actually, kind of, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's kind of true, but I think that it does it better than Joker because it's not just, I don't know, Joker felt like it kind of dragged and wasn't really hit any, hitting any of the themes that they meant to hit. I think Joker is just so dark that like it made it hard to watch, you know, yeah. compared to this, which is a lot more lighter. Credit's dark subject, but they make it a little lighter with humor in such ways. So go ahead. But yeah, I, I thought that this movie it hit on, I guess, not every single theme that they wanted to hit, but they hit on most of them and they hit on the important ones that we've already talked about. So I think that's what I that's what I liked about this movie. And I don't know if that makes it rewatchable because I think when you know the ending, it's not as watchable. I'm sure Ben can talk about that. And super dark uh, tones like this just don't make me want to go back and watch them unless it's I'm thinking of ending things. Which I will never watch. Jake, watch the watch the I'll always say how much you want to watch it again. Uh, Which is it? Uh, ben, before I let you go, I want to touch on something Jake said about how we don't talk about this type of subject matter in middle school and high school. Um, and I think that has to do a lot more with the school system, uh, more pretending it doesn't happen. And by not talking about it, they think that means it's less likely it'll happen compared to the opposite, where I think if we do talk about it, do tell you how bad it is, how much it affects the victims of it. I think that creates more of a uh, more of an impact than just pretending it doesn't happen and or if it just like only happens a little bit, you know, like it happens to everybody every day. Like we need to educate people from a young age that it's a it's a dark, dark thing. It's a gross thing. It should never be done by any human being. So uh, I wanted to kind of comment on that. But Ben, go ahead. Okay. 
Um, just finishing up with some of my other uh, likes. <laughs> I thought that you guys were talking about the performances of like the extra little side characters that would pop up for five minutes just for to interact with Cassie. School hat. And <laughs> School hat. Sam Richardson was hilarious. And the credit was like an asshole, but I thought that last scene he was in where uh, they see Bo Burnham walking to the bar, it seemed yeah. really funny. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, boy, that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and then she makes fun of him and then yeah. he runs away crying. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't take that scene seriously because he's wearing the fedora and it's like a two big fedoras which sits so low on his head. <laughs> and then she just like emasculates him and he's like, eh, and then yeah. he runs away. Anyway, go ahead. No, but I feel like I I enjoyed that was funny. Um the whole McLovin scene where he was just going on on about how such a free thinker he is. And like how he's writing a book but hasn't done anything with it yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like to think that that was McLovin, and it's the same character but grown up. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that I enjoyed those parts. Those were all solid bits, but at the same time, I kind of had trouble seeing past the actors and into the characters that they were portraying. Like I they, can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah, this uh, all of those extra characters, like we mentioned, McLovin, Baby of the Year, Allison Brie. Uh, they had Alfred Molina who played Doc Ock. If you recognized him from that, uh, and then they also had uh, Molly Shannon too. Molly Shannon, uh, the dad. Her dad is also like a pretty well known. I think he was the, pri- the voice of Mr. Krab. He was a prison guard in Shawshank Redemption, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a huge voice actor. Yeah, (laughs) Mr. Krabs, that was him. (laughs) Yeah, but no, I felt like uh, I enjoyed in particular those two aforementioned scenes. But uh, at the same time, it was hard sort of seeing past the characters and only seeing the actors because that's for the most part what I did. And yeah, I mean, I think that this film tackled. Uh, toxic masculinity and the open um, boys will be boys and guy talk mm-hmm. um, stigma very well as addressing it wide out in the open as honest as they could have like especially like in that first like minute long scene where it's just those three guys talking at the bar beforehand locker room talk yeah locker room talk yeah and like they're complaining <laughs> about a female co-worker because she's trying to get them to change something so they can be more inclusive. Yeah, It's just things like that, that they tackle it very well by being open and honest about it. And in specific, <laughs> I thought that I like read in a review somewhere that said like, uh, avoid this film. If you get, uh, if it offends you or anything like that, if men are portrayed in this sense, I'm like, if you feel that way, you should especially watch this. Yeah, that's if it makes you eye-opening. uncomfortable and you get upset by it. That's just like that's the what are they doing here? That's like, the I, trying to hit is that if you're like this, like you're uh you're heavily contributing to young women's life being ruined. Yes. Just so, uh if this in a sense that you know or you don't, because it can be subtle things too, like as they uh displayed with the parents even. Like the dad saying, like, you look pretty and stuff like that. Like, it paused her for a second just because, like, I mean, 
obviously I'm sure is well-intended, but sometimes it can come across as crass or demeaning or dismissive in a sense. Yeah. And things such as like your parents must be so proud talking to Bo because he completed his degree mm-hmm. and Cassie didn't and things like that. It, uh, um, it definitely like makes me more uh, cautious as a man, more, I guess not necessarily cautious, but more uh, weary of what I say, what I do. As a single man, credit the only single man on this podcast now. Congratulations, Ben. Uh, and, hey, yeah, thank you. and Jake and Ruthie, uh, girlfriend of the podcast. Um, <laughs> as the only single man, I know you guys don't really have to deal with this anymore, but it's it's rarely, it's been important to me for a while now about really making the girl you're with feel comfortable at all times. Um, I think the minute they're uncomfortable is the minute that things can start going really bad. So I think watching this movie and also watching Gone Girl, which made me never want to touch or talk to a woman again. Um, and then, so there's also this movie, this movie, which I think kind of, I'm always very cautious as it is, but now I'm going to be even more cautious, really noticing tells from women, really giving women their space when they ask for it or when they're, you know, uh, telling you with their body language, telling you. So I think it's very, a lot of films that a lot of guys should watch in a way, just kind of know, like, don't be a piece of shit, man. Like, it's really easy not to be a piece of shit. So I think it's I think it's an important movie. I didn't really like it, but it's an important movie with a good message that I think people should at least give a try once. Yep, that's true. Uh, Alex is Ben Affleck. I am, except I am not a drunk that cheats on my wife. Do you have a back tattoo? Um, soon. <laughs> Do you have a cardboard cutout of Ana de Armas? I will not answer that question. <laughs> So, I can see your webcam, dude. It's right there in the no, corner. Ben is lying. <laughs> so do we want to kind of fly through our negatives? I know we've gone a bit long with this review. I, I guess I can start off. I already mentioned it earlier, but just kind of the gruesomeness of it is not always, uh, well, it's never pleasing, um, but it definitely makes it hard to watch at some points. And then kind of what I thought Ben was going to talk about, but he didn't exactly. Just there was a lot of characters that... Uh, I feel like could have been cut out a little bit. Yeah, that was a half positive, half negative. Uh, like uh, what 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 was the guy? Like the judge's name? Like I I kind of. Oh, Dean, the Dean. Yeah, maybe it was the Dean. Uh, but just like there were a couple characters that you probably could have gone without showing her revenge on them, although it did kind of connect to the lot of the story but that's that's just a nitpick uh i feel like if you would have based the movie around like a more central like five or six people opposed to nine or ten might have been a little more engaging but uh other than that i I don't really think i have too many negatives i i really enjoyed this film or not enjoyed but appreciated i would say is the is the right word yeah uh ben do you have any negatives i'll go last i have a lot more than you guys do yeah i mean my negatives sort of stem with a lot of things with movies for me, which I mean, it comes down to like rewatchability and appreciation of the scenes in between like the big moments, because obviously the twists and the reveals that Cassie does are excellently done and are worth the watch, but just sort of scenes that may fall flat, like her talking with her boss about, I don't know about, um, I don't know about Ryan and like they go on for like five minutes about like, well, you haven't been out or doing anything. It's just like things like that, that just like credited or worth it and are important to the film, but it's not necessarily something that I'd want to rewatch or something that I'd stick through and not skip. Yeah. Once again, this is me nitpicking. 
And my major complaint doesn't really have to do with the film itself. It has to do with the ad agency because this tra- the trailer for this film gave away so much. Yeah. Too much. I'm glad I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. You didn't watch this trailer at all? Nope. I've watched okay. trailers at all costs pretty much. Okay. I, I like to think that, but I saw the trailer on Twitter and like watched it five times before I watched the actual movie because I was intrigued by it. But then if you this go back and our, watch it, it gives away so much of the movie. Hey, yo, that's on you, bruh. I know it's on me, but I'm just saying that, I don't know, that was just an issue that unfortunately, along with Enemy of the Podcast, Nate Magic, uh, really yeah, detracted from what would have been like a point five more of a movie experience. I don't think I would have seen this movie if I didn't watch the trailer, in all fairness. This was on our, we did a segment a few months ago of movies we're excited for, and this was on all of our lists, I think. So It was on mine, for sure. I hadn't seen the trailer. but um, So my name was kind of tied with Ben's. Uh, there was times where the movie dragged, I think, especially in the first act and a half, where it kind of, like, was not hard to watch, but just like, all right, let's come on, let's get, let's get going, you know, like, a lot of the movie, a lot of the scenes with her, uh, Laverne Cox, who played her boss, kind of weren't needed. She wasn't necessarily a good character that needed to be in the story. But um, she she was there, I think, kind of was just like, here's really dark stuff. Okay, now we're going to wind it back a little lighthearted. If that's the case, I get it. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, they dragged. I didn't like the up and down relationship with her and Bo Burnham at first. I felt it's like either, you know, like I get why she's worried about it, but – I felt like there was a lot of times when you're just kind of like, does this need to be in there? Like, does she like him or not? Like, we can't tell. Uh, I, it ties back, going back to my previous point about it, it reminds me a lot of Bombshell, Birds of Prey. I'm not going to blame it all on Margot Robbie, but those are just, these are three movies that she's a part of. So I think I connected them a bit where it's just, the message is there, the execution really isn't. Um, I really did enjoy Bober and McCarran Mulligan's performances. I thought there was a, a lot of the side characters. I know. Ben kind of had a problem with kind of big names having small parts, but I didn't mind it. I thought it kind of added to the story a bit. Um, oh, the scene with the Dean, I thought was bad. I didn't like it. I thought, uh, I forgot the actress's name. She plays the wife in Friday Night Lights. She's been in a lot, actually, but I just didn't find her character very convincing. Uh, Dean Walker. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. Connie Britt. Connie Britton. Yep. I didn't find her character very Ten. convincing. I thought the scene with her daughter was you know, lame or stupid or whatever. Um, what else? Uh, I don't, I, I had, I had more, but I forgot. Them. I just, it's the movie didn't do it for me. You know, like I, I was very excited about it. It just didn't hit. Oh, uh, the scene. Oh, here's what I was going to say. It left a lot. It, it, I think it tried to go with a more of a, show don't tell or type thing or like tell don't show tell don't show i guess more but it just left a lot to be desired we never see we don't we don't know who nina is we don't know who like we don't we don't know what she looks like her background all we know is she was sexually assaulted in it probably led to her suicide we don't even know if she killed herself it's reference it's hinted at it's probably what happened but we don't know i felt there was a lot that like we just it's like almost like we hopped in the middle of the story you know where we don't find out any background. We found out there was there was a rape, a bad one. Uh, we found out who committed it. We found out who was there, and then that's about it. We don't really hear any backstory, which 
credit with a case like this, you don't really need the backstory because it still happened. And like, we don't need the full explanation to believe, you know, whether the victims or the, the you know, the, whatever, the guy that committed it. But in this case, it's a movie. I feel like we do need to know this backstory, not just because like it's important to, when you're telling a story to have a lot of the details so the audience really does get in the story. And I felt like this movie doesn't tell us a lot. I, I felt like it, it expects us to kind of make up these details in our mind or they reference it. And I just didn't appreciate that. I'm watching a movie not to, you know, not to think of what happens. I'm watching a movie for you to tell me what happens. You know, if there's like a deeper meaning that yeah. I, I have to think about, okay. But like, like, why are you hiding information about the story from me? Like, if this isn't like, you're not going to make a sequel to this. So like, I'm not going to find out something like a prequel or a sequel or whatever. So tell me this information. I don't want to have to put all the pieces together in my own mind. I want you to tell me that might be selfish of me, but I mean, I just didn't think it was done well. That's my biggest gripe is I just don't think we get the full story. That sounds bad, but I don't think we get, you know, the important parts of the story, which you don't have to show the rape video that nobody wants to see that. You don't have to, you don't have to give us a big detail of who Nina was, but like, we don't, you know, we know who her mom is, we know what happened to her and we know who her best friends is. That's it. That's all we know about this girl who almost is the main character protagonist in a way, but we don't see her or know anything about her. Like none of this would happen if it wasn't for Nina. And I'd like to know who Nina was as a person, you know? So I think that's my biggest gripe. Um, that's all my negatives that I can think of. Do you guys have a favorite scene? I kind of touched on mine a bit. I, I think we've probably talked about our, our favorite scenes. We should probably just get onto the rating. It's been a 50 minute review, which is a, that's a probably a good thing. That is proud of us. And there's a lot to talk about. Unless did, was there a scene that was missed because mine was, I guess I didn't even talk about mine. Mine was probably just the, uh, the scene where, Cassie discovered that Ryan was involved. I just thought the body language, the acting in it, uh, the writing in it was very well done. The tw- it was the it was the main twist of the movie, which is usually pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's usually the easy part, or I guess the easy scene to choose. But I thought it was done really well, and I think it stands out above the rest of the film. Uh, ben, do you have a favorite scene? Uh, uh, fedora scene. That would agree. That's, that scene's funny. Uh, oh, one more thing for getting the rates. Uh, I thought the music was pretty good. Not- yeah, it was. It was like early two thousands y. It's very good on purpose. Yeah, I had a Paris Hilton song, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, depending on who you are. So, uh, let's get into rates, though. Ben, do you want to go first? Who's it good? I don't know. Some people like Paris Hilton. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, it's twenty twenty one. Um, there were. Yeah, I thought that overall the film was solid, yeah. Uh, acting was good. The cinematography, like Alex had said, had some spots where it really shined, but other times fell flat. But hey, I mean, that's not that's nitpicking. Mm-hmm. It still did its job and delivered its message in a very timely way that was very impactful for the viewer. So I'm going to be giving this a 7 out of 10. Uh, I'll go. I'll second that. I'll give it a seven out of ten too. I think a lot fell flat for me, but it's a good message. Performances were good. They're just, execution could have been a lot better, I thought, but it's not an awful film. I still recommend everyone watching it. So I'll give it a seven out of ten. I'll give it an eight point two five out of ten. I, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about it enough and harped on what I like about it, but I thought the performances were extremely good, especially from the two leads. I guess the lead and the supporting. 
this will probably get some Oscar buzz just because it is such a touchy and prevalent issue. And those are usually the ones that do well amongst the Hollywood people. Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, just really well done job. And I thought that the the story hit on themes that needed to be hit on. So I bet best picture nomination. I'll put up a money on it. Yeah, I, I get an editing nomination too. I thought the editing was really good. So anyway, I, I could see a, an Oscar nomination, but we will have to, to save that for our Oscar podcast that will be coming up uh, sometime. We don't know yet. What are the Oscars? Isn't it usually like mid March? Those are in February. I could be wrong. It's in February. Oh, geez. It is almost February. We yeah, uh, episodes, right? One pre one post. Yeah. Well, We'll we'll save that for, for Twitter. With that, we're going to get into week four of The Bachelor. So, uh, C- Chris Harrison is here. Chris, guys, guys, Chris Harrison is here. How guys, many Chris Har- do they have to say Chris Harrison's full name? Is that Chris Harrison? Really? I, I want to be sure. I want to be sure that that's Chris Harrison, author of The Perfect Letter. <laughs> because they didn't say it enough this episode. Um, Victoria sucks still. Uh, she gets to suck with new people now. I think I dislike Abby at this point more than I dislike Victoria. And I, Abby, Abby, blonde one, or no, Anna, Anna, Anna. same thing. Anna. I don't like Anna. No, yeah, I, I, was gonna say, I was gonna say Abby's the deaf one. I like Abby. <laughs> I really hate her. Why? I'm gonna fight for her honor. Uh, this girl I've never met. I'm gonna fight for I her. Don't honor. like her. No, let me just talk about Anna. I think Anna is okay. It's very clear that Victoria is a paid actress, so that makes me harder to hate her and more just kind of funny to laugh at. Oh, I, I mean, I, I still really hate her. Let me talk. Let me talk because <laughs> because she's just this is the only time we get confrontational. <laughs> she's just so over dramatic, over the top, and it's just obvious that she's an actress there to cause drama. Yeah, Anna is not a paid actress there to cause drama. She's just a very dramatic, awful person, and she tries so hard not to just ha- always have that uh, glaring look in her face. And she even tries to smile, but it makes it it makes her look even more evil. Like the this episode when she was wearing the lipstick yeah. and she was just standing there waiting for the rose. Like if I don't get this rose, I'm mean, just let's like who cares? Shut up. <laughs> her face- her face just makes me really upset. Uh, I don't know what it is about it. Her, her ability to cause drama is just is awful. And uh, yeah, that's that's my rant on Abby because Victoria, Anna, Anna, God, you think no, whatever, Abby. Anna. I just hate Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Abby. I know you can't hear this, but uh, Very able, uh, ableist of you, Jake. What ableist? She's deaf. I, I know. factual. I know. That was the joke. But uh, anyways, Anna, uh, she doesn't get as much flack as Victoria, and that's just because she's not as over the top, but I think she equally causes as much drama within the house. Especially in this new episode where she kind of went off for no reason. I mean, honestly, the way that they're hinting at it, she's going to get sent home because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we just got to think about the last time drama and rumors were brought to Matt. Victoria and Marilyn. Uh, I think if you were on the edge about Victoria being a paid actor, I think my bad. I think it really sent it over the top. Uh, my earbuds fell off my desk. Um, I think it really sent it over the top when she was one on one with Matt, and then Chris Harrison came to pull him pull him aside to uh, show him the new girls. Um, 
I thought, uh, what did I say, Chris Harrison? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you said Chris. Well, also, <laughs> but uh, okay. But, like, yeah, I don't think they would take. I don't think they would take time away from any other like real contestant. So Victoria has to be fake, because like they're like, because he seems so like serious about. It. He's like, can I? We, we need to talk. And he's like, hey, there's four new girls here, man. And it's like, you really have to be so serious about this when you went to see Victoria. So I think she's definitely a paid actor. And I'm just past the point where, like, it makes me mad. It's just like, all right, whatever. I don't care. Now, factually, factually, there were five new girls. But realistically, let's be honest, there were only four new ones. Yeah, Rip Kim, man. She got, she's like, hey, I'm Kim. He's like, nice. You can leave now. <laughs> um, I think. You don't I don't have a stash. Hot take. I think Britney's a paid act. Britney's the one that they thinks an escort, right? Chicago one. Yeah, yeah they I think it's an escort. A paid actor too. Dang, bro. Why do you she, think that? She well, first off, she steps right in, creates drama. You know, drama starts right as she steps in. Secondly, she talks in a way almost like she's been on camera before. She talks very like like a lot of the people talk differently because they're like not reality stars. They're not actors. They're just normal everyday people. She talks a lot like Victoria in a way where she's very confident in the way she speaks, almost like not she's reading lines, but she's improvising in a way. Um, there's something. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know about. I wouldn't say that she caused drama. It's just that she showed up, and just by her existing, all the other girls were offended. Even hotter take. They wanted to bring Brittany on the show, but they didn't want to just introduce one guest, so they brought the other four with her. I have no theory to back that up. It's just something that. Well, yeah, the other the other four aren't very impactful, besides one to cause yeah. obvious drama with Victoria. Well, now Michelle and him kind of hit it off right away. So. Yeah, I think Michelle has a very good chance to make a run for it. There's definitely going to be one of. I think two of the new four are going to make it to like the final five. Like who, Brittany and. Michelle. I think Michelle. I think it's just gonna be Michelle. But Brittany makes it. It's kind of like uh, Victoria last year, where she kind of keeps it around because she's hot. <laughs> hey, you you said it, not Matt. Yeah, um, I'm kind of starting to come around on Matt. I didn't really like him at first. Yeah, he's boring, but uh, I don't know. He seems <laughs> he's, and, he's still creepy. He's weird and he's boring and he's still because eyes open. But he seems like he like has good intentions. I felt like I was kind of harsh on him before. But doggone it, don't you want him to make the right choice? He's better. I didn't mind Peter last year. I know a lot of people hated Peter. He's definitely better than Peter. I thought Peter was just a straight moron and it made the show unwatchable at times. What do you think about the past guy coming back? Weird. Why'd you bring him back? Like, I don't care. He didn't talk about he didn't talk about uh, his uh engagement, how that went. It would have been uh, funny if it was like, dude, it worked out so well for me. But he didn't say that, did he? Okay, um, one thing that I want to talk about. This uh th- this episode brought out one of my favorite Simpsons references of all time. So it had the women box for each mm-hmm. other. And it, <laughs> it's like a top five Homer Simpson quote of all time. They, they get tennis courts in their backyard and Homer goes out back to see his kids playing tennis. And he's like, what? Tennis? What, what's the sport where the hot girls wail on each other? Dad, <laughs> about foxy boxing <laughs> yeah that's what i wanted the boxing scene was hilarious man they're just beating the shit out of each other dude i wanted blood that i was overweight like i thought it was gonna be like, like i was like there's fight. no way they're actually gonna make a fight and then they were just punching each other in the face i was like yeah 
And they should have gotten better headgear. Matt was like, it's getting too violent. I got to stop this. It's like, shut up, nerd. Let the woman fight. <laughs> we we got to nail these scumbags. <laughs> Dude, they brought in the MMA fighter or whatever yeah. to help, help Chris Harrison, author of The Secret Letter, uh, help commentate it. But instead, like they didn't even talk about that. They just had uh, overdubs of the women fighting and of Matt discouraging it. And then he didn't even, <laughs> he wasn't even used. Chris Harrison set up that date, didn't he? I thought they should in the beginning, like Chris like set this up, which is like even more hilarious that he set up the women to fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris, uh, Chris did the, he did the weird one-on-one date. Like the scavenger hunt. That's even funnier than that it was Matt's idea, and then he ended. It wasn't. It wasn't Matt's idea for that one either. Yeah, it, was probably, it was probably the show's idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had something else. Uh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they refer the women themselves refer to the past contestants, the ones that have been there, as the OGs, and they refer to the new ones as the newbies. And every time they say that, I cringed harder than I've ever cringed in my life. So. Yeah, yep. I was thinking I was thinking about that while my tennis coach rambled on for 45 minutes today. I'm like, oh, wow, I I really hate when they use the phrase OGs. Oh my god, it's making me cringe right now thinking about it. Like why would you say that? Like middle it's very it's very Christian girl autumn. Oh, stop it, calling yourself the OGs. Oh. It's like middle school drama. Like, oh no, we're the OG friend group. Like these people just got added to it. Like, who cares? Like <laughs> you realize up. Victoria's in that group too, right? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but no, it's just like them saying that. So but what I, I got one I more agree. thing before we should probably move off on the because We'll have a lot to talk about all season. I think right now my personal favorite's Katie, which is weird because she she was the one who showed up with the vibrator to Matt, yeah. which obviously made her seem like, oh wow, this one's just kind of desperate for attention, not probably not one of the ones that's gonna last for a while. But she's like far and away, like other than maybe Abby, like the actual Abby, the one uh, yeah. who has the hearing problem. I think those who are easily like the most <laughs> mature in the house, at least they get screen time. Mm-hmm. There, there might be a couple ones that kind of just like hang behind and are mature but don't get screen time but Katie's like confrontational and when she uh, like her conversation with Sarah in episode 3 about why Sarah's going home because of uh, her dad dealing with dementia yeah uh, like that was ALS what it was ALS or ALS sorry but her conversation with Sarah was a very adult thing to do and she handled it in a very good way and then this episode opens up with Victoria just being like, the trash has taken itself out. And she yeah. called her out on it. And I'm like, I, I respect Sarah. And I think that Katie, she has, I called her Sarah. Yeah. I like Katie and I respect her. And I think that she has a chance to go far just because she's like an actual adult. And I think that, uh, that goes a long way. I, uh, I, I kind of like Katie towards the end of episode one, episode two. I've always kind of liked Katie. Just, she, kinda, she just tells it like it is. You can always respect every person, especially from like an adult on a dating show where everyone else isn't acting like an adult. And I think that goes a long way. Uh, my, so I really like Serena P. I thought she has a really, I think she has a really nice personality. I think her and Matt get along. I think her and Matt have clicked the most out of anyone I've really seen. I think Michelle has a lot more of the qualities Matt likes, but I think as far as personality goes, I think him and Serena P really clicked. My personal favorite, I liked, I liked MJ, but towards the end of this episode, and they hinted at in the preview for next week, she's kind of turning bad in a way. 
Mind, she reminded me a lot of uh, Kelly last year, where Kelly was kind of like laid back, didn't really get a lot of the drama. She kind of didn't – she wasn't really chasing Matt like everybody else. She kind of made – last year Kelly kind of made Peter kind of court her a bit. I think MJ is kind of the same way this year where there was a nice scene where she's like, hey, I just want to make sure you're doing okay. Like I know Sarah leaving was hard for you. And it was a very nice, genuine conversation. But then they're starting to paint her more as a villain. They did that last year with Kelly right before they kicked her off. And I – I like MJ. I hope it's just kind of TV being TV and making her look bad. But I don't know if she gets kicked off uh, Serena P all the way. Ben, do you have a <laughs> Ben, who's your favorite right now? I know we didn't even like do any homework over this and it was just kind of off the dome. But do you have a favorite that stands out? I think I know what your answer is going to be. I like Kit, Bree, and Serena P. Yeah, they that's are exactly. good at being contestants. All right. Well, let's move on to what we watched. If you all might remember, we've reviewed Sharp Objects with friend of the program, partner of the program, Ryan Stivers, at the beginning of the month. And we we're going to do what we watched in December then, but uh, we had some extreme technical difficulties that we could not figure out. So my, uh... we had. So what we're going to be doing is. Right now, we're going to do what we watched in December and January, and we're just going to call it what we watched over winter break because that was pretty much like our uh, break for college. So, Alex, you probably have the shortest list, so we'll hand it off to you to go first. What you watched in December and January. Yeah, if my parents saw this thing, fix the Wi-Fi, it sucks. Um, so, what I watched, uh, obviously all the stuff we had, this kind of, I didn't, I don't keep lists for this just because I usually remember it, but we went two months, so this list probably isn't fully right, but for the most part, it's pretty right. Uh, everything we watched for the podcast, Sharp Objects, uh, Midsummer, um, uh, Promising Young Women, Mank, uh, and then stuff I watched on my own, uh, went back, watched my third favorite movie of all time, Super Bad. I watched uh, 30 Minutes or Less, funnier than I anticipated, it's very early 2010s comedy. Um, very Judd Apatow type, Seth Rogen type comedy. Um, I watched Twin. I started the uh, show Twin Peaks. Uh, nice. Shout out, brother of the program, Mitch Neeson, former guest. Uh, he loves this show. I was actually just talking about it today. It's really weird. Um, I bet I bet it gets better, but um, still kind of trying to push through it. Uh, Comic Golf <laughs> is really good in it, but for, it's just a really it's a very David Lynch film. It's a very show. It's very weird. We got a David Lynch expert here. Ed, David Lynch is weird, and so are his movies, and so is this. Fifty uh, First Dates. I watched that uh, because nothing else was on. And I was trying to go to sleep. Uh, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore. End of discussion. Seventeen again. I was bored. Uh, it's actually very bad. I remember kind of liking it before. It's uh, I don't know. Guy from Friends turns young Seth uh, Zach Efron and young Zef- Zach Efron's daughter falls in love with him. It's a weird movie. Not very good. Don't watch it. I watched the Nikes- I watched the uh, new Night Stalker documentary on Netflix, which is really dark. Have you guys heard about that? I've watched a couple of episodes of it. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty solid. It's it's a really well done documentary. Uh, if you have a if you have a queasy stomach, don't watch it. There's a lot of gross imagery in it, but for the most part, it's really done. I I find Richard Ramirez pretty interesting. I think uh, his whole case is really interesting, so that's why I liked it. But uh, I get why some people might. I think I could change him if we uh, I if I had met him and we dated. If he didn't get the death penalty, I think I could have changed him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, last two I watched. 
pretty one of some of my favorite movies of all time. Gone Girl, first time watching it. Hey it yo, really really good. We've talked about it a lot. Um, and kind of been passing. Ben Affleck's really fucking good in this movie, and so is uh, I forgot. I always forget the woman's name, but it's a it's a really well done film. It's definitely one of David. Fincher's. Or no, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. Pike. It's definitely one of David Fincher's best. Might be my second favorite behind uh, Zodiac, but it's really, 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 really well done film. Uh, and then the last thing I watched that I could at least remember was The Departed, which hey, uh, is one of my favorite movies ever. It's so good. I think I think it's like my seventh favorite movie ever when I did my top ten list a few weeks ago. Um, I think it's Leo's best performance. Uh, everybody in this is good, though. I, even Mark Wahlberg's good. Matt Damon's really good. Um, <laughs> Anthony Adam, uh, Anthony, whatever the guy from Blackish is in this for some reason, and he has kind of an important role actually. So Anthony Blackish. Anthony Black. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the yeah, great cast, great movie. Uh, Scorsese does it again, babies. He does it. He fucking uh, nailed it. <laughs> he nailed that scumbag. He nailed that scumbag. All right, Jake, what'd you watch? So I will start off with, uh, I guess, the TV shows that I watched because there is six of them. So I watched, uh, it doesn't seem like December, but I watched Mandalorian. Uh, oh, yeah. That off. Yeah, so Mandalorian was somehow like over winter break, even though it feels like three years ago. I watched like, I binged like the first two seasons of Seinfeld when I was in quarantine and then got out of quarantine and then just kind of stopped watching it. Always love watching Seinfeld. I finished Fargo also in December. That seems like a long time ago. Sharp Objects. And I've been continuously watching The Bachelor and I've watched the first three episodes of WandaVision. I will hold off on <laughs> WandaVision until it's over. Uh, it is a, it's definitely not a Marvel show, though, which is good, I think. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, scenes where Vision's like makeup wasn't on his arms. So he just like. Like, you know, he was supposed to be red and then just had like a normal arm. It was funny. It's so. weird. Uh, yeah, I saw that tweet too. Getting through the movies, I won't talk too much about them because there's like 40 of them. But uh, the first movie I watched was Snowden. It was awful. I couldn't stand it. Joseph <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Levitt, baby. Unbelievably boring. And I will never watch it again. Even though the, the real life story about Snowden is so cool. I've heard the documentary is incredible, but the movie on Netflix was awful. Don't recommend. The Five Bloods also not good. We have an episode about it. I think it's like episode 31. Listen to our review about why I don't like it. It was average at best. Mank also pretty average, even though it's Fincher. Very technically good. Uh, very well shot, but story was very boring. The Godfather was very good, but uh, I never got the motivation to watch part two, even though I've heard it's part two's better. Part two is way better. I know. And part one's really good. I know. Part yeah. three. Don't watch part three. Part three sucks. Part one, really good. Uh, I'll get around to part two eventually. Sound of Metal. Uh, we have a, we also have an episode about that. Decent. Was that is was that December? Yeah, I know that. It, it, it's wow. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Incredible. I hadn't seen it since AP Psych in uh, high school. Really funny. Uh, really well done. A lot of uh, very good themes on addiction and mental illness. Hunt for the Wilder Peeper. Hunt for the Wilder People, probably one of the best comedy movies I've ever seen. Taika Waititi kills it. Uh, it's so funny. It's it's definitely one of the highlights of my month. Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Home Alone. Yo Pesci. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it speaks for itself. Uh, I'm a film bro. Uh, 
Pulp Fiction's good. Who cares? Uh, purge election here. Boo! Yeah. Dude, Jake is now banned from his own podcast. Uh, <laughs> purge election here. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Where's my... Thank candy? you, Matt Dykey. Where's my candy bar? I'm going to get my candy bar. Uh, <laughs> Skeletor. <laughs> Skeletor. <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched Reservoir Dogs. Uh, it was good, but not that good. I, I, I didn't like it that much. Second. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, a lot longer than I remember. And uh, sell me this pen. Sell me this pen. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it was really good but i watched it at two in the morning and oh. don't remember what happened watch it again it's really good it's really good you remember quaalude that is all Moneyball, best sports movie of all time the only good sports movie of all time pop star never stop stopping uh underrated comedy funny underrated pretty funny but overall it would have hit harder if i watched it when Justin Bieber was still huge, or One Direction were still going. Yeah, it's a little dated in that sense. Funny, uh, but not exactly that memorable. Uh, no, uh, Bryce Hall's the next Justin Bieber. Okay, shut up, <laughs> Angel Boy. Uh, <laughs> Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, really good, really impactful. If you're gonna choose a Chadwick Boseman movie to watch uh, in 2020, I would watch this movie instead of The Five Bloods. I think his performance is better. It's based off of a play, so naturally there's two really, really good monologues that I will definitely go back to rewatch. What about Black Panther? Okay, shut up. Uh, well, you can't go back to watch it, Jake. It's not 2020 anymore. <laughs> okay, jeez. Uh, of the World, starring Tom Hanks. Actually, really good. I did not expect it to be that good, but I enjoyed it a lot. It was a interesting take on a Western that had a lot of themes about how we treat Native Americans in our society. Goodwill Hunting. Saw it for the first time. Uh, as expected, it was really good. The writing in it was uh, very well done. Matt Damon's performance was awesome, and Ben Affleck played Ben Affleck. Speaking of Ben Affleck, Gone Girl. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but I will always take the opportunity to talk about Gone Girl. I love it. It's my favorite Fincher movie, and it's my fourth favorite movie of all time. And then finally, for December, I still have like 15 movies left. La La Land. Uh, I'll talk about that again later because after La La Land, I watched Soul, which we have a whole episode on. Soul was very good. Good episode, too. Good episode. And I watched La La Land again because why not? La La Land is the best movie of all time, and it's not even close. Uh, number three, also listen to our La La Land episode with Doug Voigt because it's probably the best episode we've recorded. Uh, again, I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think we talked about it in the Soul episode. Really funny, very very well done comedy, probably one of my top five, or it is one of my top five comedies of all time. Whoa. Uh, just rewind the episode. <laughs> uh, super bad. It's super bad. Really funny. Uh, just, I mean, everything, everything's good about it. One of the few, like, flawless comedies. Uh, I watched The Departed for the first time. Great movie. Best Boston movie ever made, and I think it's one of Scorsese's most underrated, for sure. And that starts off on my uh, Scorsese marathon where I watched uh, Goodfellas, Get the Papers, Get the Papers. Uh, Episode one. If I talk about Goodfellas anymore, Nate Magic might kill me. <laughs> uh, I watched One Night in Miami. Uh, very boring, I thought. I heard it was good. I, I thought it was really boring. It's a conversation movie, is it not? What? Just a conversation for most yeah, of the movie. This right? one, so this was based off of a play also, and I thought it seemed like it was based off of a play more, and I thought that it was uh, pretty boring and a pretty clear Oscar grab. But although there were 
some dynamics between Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, and Malcolm X that were interesting, but overall, I wasn't too invested in the story. Uh, I watched Casino for the first time. Uh, Goodfellas, just like not as good and felt a little longer, but Joe Pesci still Joe Pesci. And then finally, I watched Bad Education, which was extremely good. It might have been uh, the biggest surprise of anything I've watched all month. Hugh Jackman was incredible in it. Yeah. Uh, you forgot, you forgot the marksman starring Liam Neeson. <laughs> you guys done yet? <laughs> yeah, that's everything that I watched over winter break. That was like that was a lot of stuff. So, ben, yeah. the- so in this movie, you get like chased by wolves and fuck it, I'll do it. So I get a- <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep the park afterwards. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm gonna go fast. Uh, Synecdoche, New York. Uh, sad but rewarding as a watch. Isle of Dogs. A goofy, funny claymation movie. Um, Tenet. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, yeah, it's a uh, really uh, tangerine. Uh, Frodo is a creep. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, somehow the saddest Affleck. I watched that. Uh, wildlife. I watched that. Um, Yo, what do you think of Wildlife? <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul. <laughs> uh, Paul Dano is Paul Dano. Um, uh, I feel sorry for the kid the entire time. The ending sucks. The ending's heartbreaking. I just feel bad for the kid. I know because both of his parents are dorks. Paul Dano, and also that good. scene, that scene, uh, that dinner scene is the worst in so many ways. Yes, I was I was watching it while riding in a car, and I wanted to jump out. <laughs> um, a serious man. Um, one of the most Coen brother movies that I'd ever seen by the Coen brothers. It's very understated. Um, it's Jewish. You'd understand it if you watched it. It's it's very that. Um, you were never really here. Uh, the Joker prequel that is way worse than Joker or Taxi Driver ever could be. Like literally, it's just Joker or Taxi Driver combined, but it's the worst parts of those and magnetized by like four. But it's made by, made by a film major in school type of. Th- I don't know. It's Joaquin Phoenix is in it, and it's it's really terrible. It's so similar to Taxi Driver and Joker. It's it's got a sick title. Like you were never really here. It sounds like a title for like a really good movie, and then it just sucks. So and then it sucks. Did you see it? Uh, no, but I heard it was. Eh. Don't. Uh, I watched Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. A very sad, real movie that will affect you depending on. Well, not depending on no matter what your stance is on abortion. I think it's a very important film that gives you a new perspective that you're not often hearing whenever you hear the buzzwords or the repeals or uh, grants. Just watch it. Um, watch uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Great movie. Uh, place in this, our home state too, right outside Boone. Thanks. Yeah, it, ta- it does that. I love, I love What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm-hmm. Uh, John C. Riley is in it, and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is acting. Uh, First Reformed was very unconventional. I thought I knew what I was going to see when I walked into it, but I was completely taken aback. It's it's uh, Ethan Hawke, quite literally insane. Um, I watched. Okay, yeah. I uh, watched Into the Wild. Um, it's a true story about a guy who 
burns all his material possessions and tries to live out in Alaska. How was that? I, I want it looks really interesting. It's interesting. It's a nice I'm not gonna say coming of age. It's a it's a very interesting road trip movie is it an, in a way. It's not is it pretty eye opening? Kind of. It just gives you it's just an it's an interesting perspective about someone's life and their outlook on life and how they wanted to live that out at all costs. Um, I watched Eyes Wide Shut. I also watched The Mission uh, starring uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Are you going to keep the parka? Uh, probably. I want the plane. <laughs> Just change his name to a plane. <laughs> no, but <laughs> yeah, it was him. Uh, your guys' favorite, uh, Robbie D. Nero, and then Jeremy Irons um, playing uh, missionaries in South America. It was a very interesting watch and very sad yet realistic ending. Um, watch Super Bad. Don't need to explain it. Hey, we all um, Super Bad. It's nice. nice. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't need to explain it. <laughs> and then rewatch The King of Staten Island. It is. Is it worth somehow it? much slower on the second? Oh, God, no, <laughs> I'm never watching that. Then oh, I'm just sticking around for like the you up uh, joke text. <laughs> you up, you up, you up. Just... You up. <laughs> that are, that's one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. Okay, I was I was looking forward to it just because of the little in between banter jokes that Pete Davidson does. But yeah, man, that is not worth. That is a hard rewatch it's so funny how he doesn't talk like he never starts conversations at the whole movie like it's always people talking to him and him just answering <laughs> but yeah anyways but, uh, is that that's it? all of our what we watched in december and that's it for what episode 39 yeah um, we watched we all watched have, a lot so i have a question um since we're done with the episode tying back to the dad and promising young women um is mr Krabs an anti-semitic character i just kind of thought of this what is mr why because is he supposed to be a jewish man he's a crab but like is he supposed to be jewish uh i don't know i think it's that's not insinuate i don't watch i haven't watched spongebob SpongeBob like you guys do i don't going off of money alone Probably not. Do you have any other evidence to support that claim? His voice kind of sounds Jewish. I, I think this conversation is extremely... We, no, dude. We, <laughs> this conversation's been too long. You drained from this past hour, bro. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to we're gonna wrap this episode up. Uh, if Alex come back to us next week with some research on if Mr. Krabs is an anti-Semitic character and maybe we can cancel SpongeBob. So look for... That will be our entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> that... In episode Buy Dogecoin. Buy Dogecoin. To the moon. Yeah, to the moon. This is the Turbo Team Podcast. We want to thank you for listening, as always. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.